This morning I have the uh, privilege of introducing my brother who is not a stranger to us. Brother, pastor, missionary, prophet, Bill Otten. <laughs> Look at him turn red. <laughs> uh, Lifeline Ministries, uh, he goes to countries and he does the work of God, seeking the kingdom and bringing the kingdom wherever he goes. We are privileged to have him here. He has been part of the leadership transition team for a season to kind of help us as we go through the changes that are here. But I don't see him as just all of those titles. I see him as my brother. I see him as my coworker in the kingdom because that's what it's all about. So, Brother Bill Otten, I just bring you forth today to release the kingdom through your teaching, through your spirit. You are led. There is no agenda this morning in Jesus' name. Still on? I'm on, right? Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. Mine is starting off pretty good. I, I know Jesus loves me, and I know Langston loves me. So I got two on my list right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing pretty good. So, and this morning, as I was coming on the way over here, uh, um, I started, I'm a few hours, I'm four hours away. And so yesterday afternoon when I started to come on over here, I started praying tongues for y'all, and just started, you know, praying for you, and man, it got hot, I got hot, and I started sweating, and, and uh, it was about 10 miles down the road before I realized I had, still had my seat warmers on <laughs> from when I was in Atlanta last week, so I, I hope that doesn't disappoint you, <laughs> but, but I, I think God's, God's for you. All right, let me, um, let me give you a, let me start you with a little game here. I want you to finish a sentence for me, okay? In your mind, you can finish this sentence. Uh, I once missed the opportunity to, and that could be anything. That could be to take, take a job, to uh, meet a particular person, go a particular place. I'm going to say that again. If you want to holler yours out like she did, you go ahead. I want to hear. I once missed the opportunity to <laughs> seek the kingdom. We're, we're so spiritual here. <laughs> Anybody else? Flee? Sleep. I, <laughs> I missed my opportunity to sleep. Well, I think there's some bigger opportunities that we've probably missed. Uh, but... An opportunity, by its definition, is only available for a limited time. It's a set of circumstances or a situation that arises, and it's a, it's a window for us. And that window opens and closes. Somebody said, uh, opportunity knocks once, and temptation pounds on the door every day. But opportunity knocks once. And so you have a space of time, like I no longer have the opportunity to have a fourth child. <laughs> that window closed. You know, that, the transmission's gone. You understand? It's just a factory's closed. It, it, it's not going to happen. So we have a certain timing to every opportunity. Now, uh, Leonard, Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, the opportunity of a lifetime needs to be seized during the lifetime of that opportunity. 
So, to, and, and, and this is something we understand because we're always going to have opportunities, but we've got to understand there's a limit to them. There's a time limit. There's a window that we've got to step through at that point to realize the fulfillment of that opportunity. Now, because there is a timing, we can miss some big opportunities. I'm going to talk about some big ones that we got in front of us today, but we can miss them because there's a timing. Even worse than missing them because you didn't know about them is wasting the opportunities that you're knowledgeable of. There was a, um, one, you know, I went on the internet er earlier this week and I was looking at some of the, the most historic opportunities that were missed, you know, throughout history. And one of them w got my interest because it has to do with China. One of the biggest, well, land-wise uh, empires that ever existed was the uh, Mongolian Empire. And you may know, the, have heard the, the emperor's name, uh, the warrior's name, uh, Genghis Khan. And he, they had the land all the way from the China Red Sea, all of China, all the way to Europe. That was all their empire. It was a mighty, mighty, uh, large empire he had. And uh, he didn't go on into uh, Western Europe but he was very curious about Western lifestyle, and he was very curious about Christianity. And so at that time, Marco Polo, who was a merchant explorer, his, he was only 17 at the time, and he was with his father, and he was with his uncle, and they were traveling through Mongolia, discovering Mongolia, exploring it. And uh, Kublai Khan was the grandson of Genghis Khan, and he took an interest in uh, Christianity. He wanted a hundred missionaries to come to China, to Mongolia. So he asked them to ask Pope Gregory X to send a hundred missionaries to China. Well, three years later, when uh, Marco Polo and his, and his family got back to Venice, uh, two years later, what came back with them to Mongolia was just two monks. Now, in my mind, I, you know, I go to China a lot. There's 1.4 billion people there. What would it have looked like had there been Christianity spread in the 13th century through 100 missionaries? A missed opportunity. And it was, I think it was a big one. That's a, that was a historic one. Now, the Bible is full of missed opportunities, full of judgments that came upon cities that rejected the prophets or rejected Jesus. Remember uh, the disciples, uh, they, they were to shake the dust off their feet after coming somewhere to preach the gospel. Well, I'll tell you, there is a big one. To miss, how about, how about the guy that uh, Jesus offered to, to follow him? What a missed opportunity that was. And there's a lot of these in the Bible. The rich young ruler missed his opportunity to follow Jesus. Cities that Jesus visited rejected him. And then Jesus also talked, had many parables where there were opportunities taken and opportunities missed. The ten virgins, five of them, seized the opportunity to go into the wedding feast. Five missed their opportunity. Jerusalem missed 
It's day of visitation. Can't go back and redo it. You can't, someone said you can't go back to find lost opportunities. Somebody else has already got them. Somebody else already found them. So missed opportunities, they're life-changing. And, of course, they produce regret when we do miss opportunities, that we didn't take that chance, we didn't take that, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm, in, I'm in a place right now in my life where I'm preparing for my future. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for my retirement. I'm thinking, I'm thinking when I'm 70 and 80 and 90 and I'm not running through airports with bags of Bibles in China. You know, I, there's going to come a day when I'm going to have to pay my bills when I'm 85 and 90 years old. And so I'm, you get to an age where you start thinking about those things and I'm thinking about those things and I don't want to have regret I should have started investing in my future here or if I had only gotten in the ground floor of Microsoft or you know whatever and those are opportunities that are not available anymore now what I want to do this morning and this is what was in my heart to do just for some first Sunday of the year inspiration is to talk about Four great opportunities that you have in front of you in 2019. Okay, just we got 360 days left to this year. Okay, after today, and well, there are some opportunities, and if I can detail them for you, and this is for everybody. This is for everybody individually. It's not. I'm not really talking corporately to the church here. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about you, Ashley. I'm talking about you, Tim, and, and each one of you. You personally have these opportunities because many times we just want the government or we want the church to do these things. But there are opportunities that I have personally to walk in. All right? Let me give them to you. You ready? I didn't hear you. Are you ready? The first opportunity, which is a nice one, we all appreciate this one. It's the opportunity for a clean start. That's every time you cross over into the new year, you know, it's always, yeah, it's that sense that I'm going to start again. But, you know, we can do it every day. The mercies of God are new to us every day. But when we step into a new year, all of us, you know, we have these resolutions. We have these things that I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to eat different. I'm going to do something different. I have the opportunity for a clean start to leave the past behind when Susan and I got home from, we were, we were traveling in Atlanta, and when we got home this year, uh, we walked into the house, and man, there was a stink in the house. And I mean, we've start, we started going all over the house looking for this stink. Where is this coming from? The garbage can and the dishwasher or wherever. And, we, and finally, we nosed it out. It was in the pantry. There was some potatoes <laughs> you know what you know that smell don't you a couple rotten potatoes it was stinking the whole house i want to tell you something some potatoes from 2018 were stinking up 2019 for me you see now here's my exhortation to it. you don't want any stinky potatoes from 2018 to stink up this year you have an opportunity to close the door you know what does the cattle farmer say any cattle farmers in here always close the gate that's right 
I think the great philosopher Yogi Berra said, uh, history belongs in the past. <laughs> this is an opportunity to uh, not drag any of the stinky potatoes, which would be sour attitudes, grudges, broken relationships, whatever. Don't carry it on into January, February, March, and April. Go home and deal with it. Go home, make a phone call, write a letter, whatever it is. Shut the door on 2018. You're, you're going to have a better 2019. That's the opportunity we have is, number one, we've got the opportunity for a new start. I suggest you take it. Because here's, here's one of the things. If I drag that into 2019, it gives place for the devil in my 2018 it gives him a place to accuse me in 2018 and to remind me of 2018. You know, shut it down, the things that you failed in 2018, the mistakes you made, how stupid you were. <laughs> Get it resolved now and, and go ahead and have your new start. All right, number two. This is your second opportunity that you've got before you in 2018. It's the opportunity... To increase your greatness. Mark chapter 10, verses 37 through 43. You know this portion of Scripture. If you want to be great. You see, God, Jesus did encourage you to be great. God wants you to be great, to be influential. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn. All right, here's this. We're to learn this. There's just about three things Jesus said for us to learn. Here's one of them. Learn to be the servant of all. When people ask me who I am, I tell them I'm a servant. <laughs> you know, they call me all kinds of things. As a matter of fact, that was a fine introduction there. That's, that rivaled the one I gave myself the time that I had to introduce myself a couple weeks ago. Mark yourself. This is who I am. This is what I do. I am a servant. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You become like God when you become a servant. And, and when I say a servant, here's what I'm saying. Serve somewhere. So, it doesn't have to be in here, in your community, at your workplace, uh, at the grocery, wherever it is, you're always looking for a place to serve. But I want to tell you something. Until you come into service with the knowledge of God you have, you do not come into maturity. Maturity, that's, that's when service creates fruit. That's when your hearing becomes doing is when it turns into service. So there's no maturity if you're not putting your hand to something and serving in Jesus' name. I needed a bigger amen than that. That's just... So my exhortation for this is serve somewhere. Serve somewhere. Let it be in our mentality. All right, this is how we'll become a great Christian, but we'll, how we'll become a great church. Number three, third opportunity. I know you can't wait to hear it. You're sitting on the edge of your seat, but I can see, I can see you're ready. The opportunity to increase heavenly reward or eternal reward. Now, this is a real opportunity, just as real as if you were buying some stock this afternoon. What you do today, what you do this week, will have implications for eternity for you. 
See, we have this idea in our head, it's a wrong idea, that we're all going to have the same experience in heaven. Heaven's going to be the same for all of us. No way. That is not true. My heaven is going to be different than your heaven. Now, some of you, I don't even think I'm going to see you in heaven. You're going to be so close to the throne because you're being so rewarded and such honor and glory. I might just catch a little glimpse of Brother Langston. You know, I don't know. But it's going to be different for all of us. There's different degrees of honor. There's different degrees of glory and reward. And it's up to you today to determine those rewards. You see, Jesus encouraged us not to lose our reward. He says, you do this and such and this, you're going to lose your reward. But he encouraged us to gain reward. We, it's sort of a, it's a motivation for us, really, to live for eternity. Here, I'll give you an example. When he said to his disciples, uh, this verse right here, when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 22, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, because great, great is your reward in heaven. Now here, in my mind, here's how I see it. These guys just got rocks thrown at them uh, as they were sharing the, the kingdom of God preaching the kingdom of God in this particular city. And then they come back out of the city to Jesus, and they, they've got some bruises on them. And, and Jesus says, let me put it in my vernacular, if you could see the exponential reward that you're going to get as a result of the persecution that you just got, if, I mean, if you could actually see what that looks like, you'd go back in there and get some more persecution. That's how big an investment it is. Because when we think of reward, I'll give you, uh, just last week, I carried, or two weeks ago, I carried four boxes to Lauren up in Green uh, Fayetteville, where she lives, that were still in my attic from she moved to Italy. And so all her stuff went on our attic. And then she, you know, she got married, and then now she's living in Fayetteville. And so she got most of her stuff out of her attic, but there were four boxes left. These boxes, two of them were just full of rewards. All these trophies, all these plaques, all these awards and ribbons she got through high school. i got to brag on her a minute. She was a valedictorian junior year, senior year. She spoke at her college graduation. I mean, she, she has excelled. Don't tell me where she got. I don't know where she got those jeans, you know. But where is <laughs> Sue? I don't know. Susan didn't do so good in school either. I don't know. But anyway, my kids have excelled. And I'm telling you, there was one banana box with nothing but trophies and medals. In it. it was heavy. Nothing but trophies and medals. Well, when she first got that award and reward, man, we were so proud. We took pictures with, we got pictures, a bunch of pictures with her and her first reward or second reward or valedictorian medal. And we've got all these, and we'll put those trophies on the mantle that, you know, her athletic trophies. You know, she was a star in stalker and she was a star in volleyball. And we had all these trophies. But after a while, they gathered some dust and, and then we put them in the closet. And, and after 
a while in the closet, we needed to make room, and so we put them in banana boxes, and we put them out in the garage. And then my garage was getting cluttered, so we put them up in the attic above the garage. And then after that, they go to the dump. Lauren didn't really want them. What I want to say is the glory of an earthly reward fades. Its glory is fading. But an eternal reward, the glory of an eternal reward continues to have glory and increases in glory. I mean, just imagine that. Listen, the joy you gave, you give God when you sacrifice or your obedience in a matter, that brings joy to his heart that you laid down your life, you see, and he rewards that. See, that's what he did for Jesus. Jesus gave himself, died even as a criminal, but God hath highly exalted him as a result. It brought such pleasure to the Lord. That thing you did, that obedience you did, will bring joy to the Father for eternity. A million years from now, that act of obedience that you did yesterday will still bring joy to his heart. Are you getting? A, we can't. Our, we can't get our brains around eternity, but if we'll take the things that the word that I'm using right now is reward and try to put it in an eternal context, it makes sacrifice, self-denial, and obedience a valuable investment. If we'll think of it this way, we think in terms of temporal. Hey, you know, if this is going to benefit me this week, if it's going to benefit me. No. You can live for eternity today. And so the giving you do doesn't just benefit this house and, and, your, uh, and bless your community. No, 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 no. That gift has eternal strings attached to it that make the difference a million years from now. What an opportunity. Somebody say that's an opportunity. Fourth opportunity. You have the opportunity, all right, that's a good one, not only to change your eternity, but to change other people's lives for eternity. Galatians 4, chapter 5 says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. John 5, verse 20 says, he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. All right? Our lives will affect others. I'm going to read a story for you. All right, this is a rather lengthy story, but it speaks very clearly and loud to me. <clears throat> a number of years ago, in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in southern London, the Sunday morning service was closing, and a guy stood up in the back and said, can I, Pastor, can I give a testimony? The pastor looked at his watch and said, you got three minutes. And so the stranger stood up in the back and began to give this testimony. He said, I came from Sydney, Australia. Just a few months back, I was visiting some relatives, and I was walking down George Street. And a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway, put a pamphlet in my hand, and said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you died tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I was astounded by those words. No one had ever said anything like that to me. 
So I thanked him courteously, and all the way back to London, this puzzled me when I was on the plane. I called a Christian friend who lived in the area where I live to ask him about it, and he led me to Christ. I'm a Christian now, and I want a fellowship at this church. And so everybody applauded, and they welcomed him into the family. That Baptist pastor then flew to Australia the next week. A woman came to him during the meetings for counseling, and he wanted to know, you know, figure out where she was at spiritually, if she was a Christian or not. And she said, well, I used to, gave her testimony, I used to live in Sydney. And just a couple months back, I was visiting friends in Sydney, doing some last-minute shopping down George Street. And a strange little white-haired man, an elderly man, stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a pamphlet, and said, excuse me, ma'am, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? She said, I was disturbed by those words. And when I got home, I visited a Baptist church that happened to be on the next block from me, and I sought out the pastor, and we had a chat about it, and he led me to Christ. So, yes, I am a Christian. Now, this London pastor was a little bit amazed. Twice, in just a couple days, he had heard the same testimony. Next, he flew to the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Perth, Australia, and when his teaching series was over, the senior elder of that church took him out for a meal, and he asked this elder how he got saved. The elder said, I grew up in this church from the age of 15 through the boys' brigade. I never made a commitment to Christ. I just hopped on the bandwagon like everybody else, and I was on a business outing uh, in my adult life in Sydney just three years ago. And a man stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, accosted me with a question, said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? And he said, well, I tried to tell him I was a Baptist elder, but he wouldn't listen to me. I was seething with anger all the way home. And so I told my pastor uh, what had happened and thinking that the pastor was going to sympathize with me. But uh, the pastor had been disturbed for years knowing that I really didn't have a true relationship with Jesus. And he was right. So my pastor led me to Jesus just three years ago. Next, this London pastor flew back to the UK and was speaking at the Kenswick Convention, and he threw in these three testimonies that he had heard. At the close of his teaching session, four elderly pastors came up and said, we got saved between 25 and 35 years ago as a result of that little man on George Street giving us a track and asking us that question. Then this pastor flew to the Caribbean the following week to hold a similar Kenswick convention for missionaries there, and he shared these four testimonies, these testimonies. And at the close of his teaching session, three missionaries came up and said, we also got saved between 15 and 25 years ago through that little man's testimony asking us the same question on George Street in Sydney. Coming back to London... He stopped outside of Atlanta, Georgia to speak to a 1,000 Navy chaplains at the Navy Chaplains Convention on soul winning. The chaplain general took him out for a meal, and so he asked the chaplain general he said, for his testimony. And he said, well, he said, it was miraculous. I was raiding on a, US, a United States battleship, and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing exercises in the South Pacific, and we docked in Sydney Harbor for some replenishments. We hit our leave with a vengeance. I got blind drunk, I got on the wrong bus, and I got off in George Street. As I got off the bus, this elderly white-haired man jumped out in front of me, pushed a pamphlet in my hands, and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? And he said, the fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked sober, and I ran back to the battleship and sought out the chaplain. And the chaplain 
led me to Christ. And I soon began to prepare for the ministry under his guidance. And here I am in charge of over a thousand chaplains. And we're bent on soul winning today. Then, six months later, he flew to do a convention for 5,000 Indian missionaries in a remote corner of northeastern India. He asked the leader, how did you as a Hindu come to know Christ? He said, well, I was in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic mission, and I traveled the world. And he said, one bout of diplomatic service took me to Sydney. And I was doing some last-minute shopping of toys and clothing for my kids walking down George Street. And this courteous little white-haired man stepped out in front of me, offered me a pamphlet, and said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you died tonight, are you going to heaven? And he said, I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. He was a Hindu. And I got back to my town, and I sought out the Hindu priest, but he couldn't help me. But he said, just to satisfy your curious mind, go talk to the missionary in the mission house at the end of the road. That day, the missionary led me to Christ. I quit Hinduism immediately and then began to study for the ministry. I left the diplomatic service, and here I am, by God's grace, in charge of all these missionaries, and we're winning hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Well, eight months later, this Baptist pastor was back in Australia ministering in a southern suburb of Sydney, and he asked his host, do, do you know a little man, an elderly little man who witnesses and hands out tracts on George Street? He said, yes, I do. His name is Mr. Genor. You, you, you can look him up on Wikipedia, by the way. He, he, he worked in not only the Australian Navy, but he also was enlisted in the United States Navy. And you, you can find him on the Internet. I searched him out. His name's Mr. Genor, G-E-N-O-R. But I don't think he does it anymore. He's too frail and elderly. And the pastor said, I want to meet him. Two nights later, they went around to this little apartment, knocked on the door, and this teeny, frail little man opened the door. He, he sat them down, gave them some tea, but he was spilling the tea because he was so frail. And he sat with them. This London preacher told him all these accounts over the previous three, year, three years that he had heard. This little man sat with tears running down his cheeks. He said, my story goes like this. I was raiding on an Australian warship. And I lived a reprobate life. And in a crisis, I really hit the wall. And one of my colleagues, whom I gave literal hell, was there to help me. He led me to Jesus. And the change in my life was so distinct. It, between night and day and 24 hours, I was so grateful. I promised God that I would share Jesus and a simple witness with at least 10 people a day as God gave me strength. Sometimes I was ill and I couldn't do it, but I made up for it at other times. I wasn't paranoid about it, but I have done this for over 40 years. And in my retirement years, the best place was on George Street. There were hundreds of people. I got lots of rejections, but a lot of people courteously took the tracks. And he said, in 40 years of doing this, I have never heard of one single person coming to Christ until today. Now, I say that this has to be some kind of commitment that it has to be just sheer gratitude and love to Jesus for this guy to do this. Not hearing of any of the results, he had witnessed to over 146,000 people, and only God knows how many he had influenced for Christ. God was showing that Baptist minister just the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg of when we touch somebody else's life for Christ. Mr. Janor died two weeks later. 
Now, can you imagine the reward he went to in heaven? He never appeared on Charisma magazine, was never in Billy Graham's Decision magazine. Nobody except a little group of Baptists in southern Sydney knew anything about Mr. Janor, but I think heaven knew about Mr. Janor. And can you imagine the welcome and the reward and the red carpet that he gets when he entered eternity? Now, I'm not suggesting that we accost everybody we meet all day long. But if you touch just one person in 2019 and verbally, verbally share the gospel with them, pray that you would have such an opportunity in 2019. God will set it up. God will set it up. And then uh, if, if, if you convince one for Christ this year, you have no idea. Him being discipled, how many exponentially can be touched through just your opportunity taken in 2019 to change a life. That's, that's your challenge. That's the opportunity. It's a real opportunity that we've got before us. Pardon me for such a long reading, but I love that story. So uh, we have in front of us 360 more days in 2019. There's two things we can do with opportunities. We can miss them or we can seize them. And the seizing of them will involve some risks, some sacrifice, and really some insight. You know, to think eternally about uh, resisting this temptation. This, if I resist this temptation and I don't step into sin, it has eternal reward and effect for me. Everything we do here in this age has, it does something to our status, our honor, and our glory in the next age to come. Now, if I can train my brain to think like that. You see, let me, let me tell you something. There's a little book about habit I read uh, last month, uh, how habits happen, how they develop. And we basically, we just run according to our habits. Well, you know, because it helps our brain not to have to think consciously of everything we have to do. When you first got into an automobile, man, it was stressful, right? It was intense, you know, your first time to drive, you know, with the driver's instructor. I still remember what I did, man. I spun gravel all over that church lot. Just I never touched a gas pedal before. <laughs> And, 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 and then you're wore out at the end of the day. Why? Because your brain had to work so hard with uh, the turn signal here, and then these are the lights and the brake and the clutch, and, the, and all of that was not habit yet. But later on, your brain doesn't have to work that hard. God created us that way so that sometimes without thinking, you're halfway here and you think, well, Am I dressed? I, yeah, I got dressed. I brushed my teeth. Yeah, and I'm already halfway to church. You did all that by habit without even thinking. You see? Now, what I want to say is habits, and then this book says this, rule our lives, really. And so in order to change our lives, we must change our habits. And it is a good thing to learn how habits form, how, how, what triggers habits, so that you can change them. And that's why diets and everything else are a struggle. Why? Because we live according to habit. And so if I learn how to start a new habit, 
to start a new neural pathway in my brain and I do it again and I do it again and I do it again. This is how I'll break old habits. You only do that by creating new habits, new roads through the, to the pleasure center of your mind or to the comfort center and all these. Now, the reason I just threw that little thing in there is because we're, most of us are going to live 2018 like we lived 2000, or 2019 like we lived 2018. If I didn't really share the gospel with anybody in 2018, I probably won't do it in 2019. But there's going to be a day and a moment that's going to be an opportunity for you. And that's the point on which you have to get over your fear of rejection and go ahead and create that new path. Through your brain, you're beginning a new habit to start thinking about somebody else's eternity. You do it once. You know, and then you get flagged by heaven. Ooh. Oh, he did it once. I set up an arrangement here. Let's see if he'll do it again. You know, God is just looking for warm donkeys, you know. And, and once you get flagged in the spirit, oh, he obeyed me once. Let's see if, let's, let's, let's set it up again. And all the angels are watching if you'll share the gospel. They love to hear the gospel. It's amazing to them. Don't ever lose your wonder of what has happened, the wonder of salvation. I'm telling you. Uh, let me just mention, <laughs> if you're feeling apathetic, just go talk to Bill Sweeney. Bill Sweeney called me on the way down here yesterday. And just two preachers getting together, edifying one another, and and uh, we got to talking, and I, I started writing after I hung up the phone, and I wrote this down. And this will be another, let me just, this one's free. All right? This is a little exhortation that one day will develop into something greater. But I, a thought hit me after we got talking, and we were just pumping each other up about oh, the goodness of God. And I hung up, and I wrote this down. Don't lose the wonder. Don't lose the wonder of your salvation. Stay amazed at what God has done because what, what happens is we do drift and we get apathetic. But as I go through the scripture, I see the exclamations of someone that is in wonder of what God Almighty has done for the sewage of my life and the sewage of this world. It is amazing. What is man, David said, that you would consider us? You see? And so... In his mercy, he poured out forgiveness. He pushed delete on your life and gave you and I righteousness. Nothing can be earned. But then, that was his mercy. But then he poured grace on top of that. And he brought you into his own family, seated you in heavenly places to rule and reign and be a co-heir of the entire earth with him. That's a gift. That was mercy. This is a gift. And you wonder, the angels, I'm telling you, when you start praying, they're listening. They can't believe that God has done this for sinful man and actually put him on the throne. It's amazing. And as you go through the scripture, you see this. Oh, <laughs> I like this. When Paul's writing, he goes, oh, the riches of the depth of the love of God. No. You need to animate that a little bit more. See, if, you know, I saw recently this week, I've been seeing somewhere in the Internet or ads or something about winning the Publishers Clearinghouse $5,000 a week. 
So we had a little discussion in our house, you know, what would happen if whoever it is is giving it away now, it used to be Ed McMahon, he used to do that. And that, what if they came to your door with the cameras blazing and everything else and said, you have won $5,000 a week for the rest of your life? You just say, well, thanks. <laughs> no, here is what it would sound like. And your neighborhood would hear it. It would be all over Facebook and Twitter. You'd be going, whoa! Now, I want you to hear Paul the Apostle like that. Oh, man, the riches that have been given to you in Christ. Oh, the riches of his forgiveness. You have no idea. That's what he's saying. Don't lose the wonder of your salvation of Christ living in you. All right, and I was just getting started with all the scriptures. If, you'll, if we'll think about it, think about it. He could have started all over. I mean, he could have just wiped us out. But yet he left heaven. He left, though he was rich. How rich was he? he was, see, rich 5,000 a week is measurable richness. Christ had immeasurable riches, immeasurable glory, immeasurable status. I was, I was sitting on my sister's porch one day and watching her little terrier, Jack Russell terrier, barking and just viciously barking at a little ant. And as I was sitting there watching that, I was thinking, I wonder how many levels of status and position, that dog is over that ant. That dog can hear a command and obey. That dog can do tricks. What about that ant? You know, he's so far above. That's measurable. Okay? And there's a, there's a difference between angels and us. But the distance between us and the Almighty is immeasurable greatness. And so Jesus, who was rich became poor, he came down, down, he descended. This is the wonder of the incarnation that we've just celebrated at Christmas. He came down and became a man, not just for 33 years. He became a man forever, a God-man. He has flesh Today and, he's, and a man sits upon the throne in heaven and will for eternity. He gave all of that just so he could have you. Don't ever lose the wonder, the wonder of our salvation. Okay, well, let me give you one more verse on that, and then I'm going to shut this down. <clears throat> Here's the verse that was sort of thrilling me and Bill yesterday as we we're no eye has seen; it's never been visible. No ear has ever heard, nor has it entered into the imagination of man. Your, your, your mind doesn't even have the ability to comprehend or even imagine what good things God has already prepared for you. It's already laid up for you who love Him. You, it's beyond anything you could ask or think. You can't even think to ask for these things that he's bestowing on you. 
So you can't even pray for it, except, listen to me. I said to Bill yesterday, I said, ah, now I understand why God gives us something like tongues. For us to pray the unimaginable will of God for our life. (laughs) The unimaginable will of God for my life. I can pray for it and receive it into this realm. Oh, I tell you, if you got the opportunity and pray in tongues this year, I've been praying in tongues more since January 1st than I did in December. Do it. Before you get out of bed in the morning, spend some time just laying there while you, before you, some of you don't want to get out of bed right away, uh, you know, because you, you get too dizzy and you might fall. <laughs> so while you're waking up there in bed, pray in tongues. And what that's going to do is going to open up opportunities for your day that you hadn't even thought about. Opportunities, Holy Ghost connections. I have learned this. If I pray in tongues every day, Holy Ghost connections happen all day long. It's incredible who you run into. We call them circumstances. We call it luck. (laughs) It's a result of me praying the will of God before I ever put my feet on the floor. So I I would exhort you to that. You have the opportunity to pray. You know, I only gave you four. Here, we can add this fifth one. To pray the unimaginable will of God into your life every day. Don't neglect the gift of God that He has given you in praying in the Spirit. Now, if you do not pray in tongues, come see me. (laughs) Let me introduce you to the Holy Ghost and And it's a gift for every man and every woman and every child. Everybody needs to speak in tongues. Everybody has a spirit. Every spirit has a voice. And every one of us have a good God who has a plan for us to be prayed. We must pray it. Amen. All right. Well, maybe we should stop there. Here, let me just say this, and we'll quit. Uh. Seizing the opportunity does will take some risks, sacrifice. The woman with the issue of blood, she took a risk. Blind Barmaeus was crying. They took, they laid hold of the opportunity uh, to seize their opportunity. Now, let me address last year for just a minute. If you're like me, you probably did something stupid. I probably did a lot of stupid things last year. <laughs> and uh, failures. Maybe you just really, really blew it. You sinned. You, you broke a relationship. You, the wonderful thing we have in 2019 is that God is an, a magnanimous redeemer. He is so rich in mercy. There isn't anything you've done. You know, on your worst day in 2018, God still, God enjoyed you. he already was enjoying you before you ever blew it real big and it didn't change god didn't change his attitude toward me so but what we have is we have the powerful opportunity available to us on this side of eternity and that is to repent and that is the access door into God's mercy. He can redeem the mistake. He can redeem the lost time. He can redeem the hopeless situation. Whatever you've done, God has a delete button, and he can reboot whatever you've done in 2018 because he's a savior, he's a redeemer, he's a miracle worker. Amen? You know what I want to do? I want to pray in tongues. How many in here in this room, you pray in, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, you pray in other tongues. Okay. 
Well, uh, I hope nobody else, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't mind, but I'd like to close this service uh, allowing your spirits to do some prayers. All right, brother? Is that all right, Casey? We do that this morning. Why don't we stand up? And as we pray in tongues, at some point while we're praying, why don't you go to somebody and bless their coming year? Speak words of edification. Speak words of prophecy over their life. But first, let's just pray in tongues for a while. Let's just pray in the Spirit. If you don't pray in the Spirit, if you don't pray in tongues, just start talking to God and uh, talk to Him. Talk to the Holy Spirit. If you want prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues, uh, you'll have this opportunity actually right now and after this service, and we'll pray for you that you receive the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's all pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that we edify ourselves when we speak with other tongues. I thank you, Lord, that we are built up in our faith as we pray in the Spirit. I thank you that you have gifted us with every good thing we need for 2019. Thank you for all the goodness that you've already laid up for those that love you. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you have already laid out for February, March, April, May, June, July, August, and September, October, and November, and December, you already got us on your mind and made provision for us. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want you to turn to somebody. Just grab anybody, maybe somebody you didn't come with, and just bless them. The power of blessing their 2019 with every good thing. That is to speak every good thing over their life. I pray that you'll be blessed financially more this year than you were last year. I pray that your spiritually will increase this year more than you did last year and that you will be surprised by God's goodness in 2019 more than you were in 2018. I speak every good thing over your family right now. I speak peace over your household. I speak peace over your relatives. I speak peace to your relationships. I declare that this is the will of God concerning you. Our blessing, we speak blessing. You will prosper. You will prosper. You will prosper this year. You will prosper in your health. I declare in Jesus' name good words over you. Blessings and not curses. 
that you're going to prosper academically in school this year. You're going to prosper with friends. You're going to prosper socially in Jesus' name. There are friends for you that are going to feed your life. I thank you, Lord, for the information and the knowledge that all of us need in walking through 2019, that you will bring to us the relationships, the the cross-pollination we need in our lives to succeed in the manner that you desire for us. Isn't that right, Ashley? You are very blessed in every area. You are blessed socially with your relationships. You are blessed academically in the ninth grade. You have favor, extraordinary favor is upon your life. Extraordinary. It's a supernatural thing that walks around with you. Angels follow you, and they make your life smooth. Thank you, Lord. Don't you just feel like prophesying? Go prophesy to somebody. Release out of your spirit. And, you know, once you take a step, those words begin to flow, and the blessing gets released. Power gets released in what you say. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Where's Brother Casey? There he is. Well, I'm done here. Do I turn this over to somebody and turn it over to you? I just say hi. Well, Father, we thank you. 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 We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the future that is to prosper us and make us whole and make us new, God. We thank you. All we have to say is thank you. Stepping into it, Lord, we're stepping into it, and we just say thank you. With joyful, light, and airy hearts, we say thank you, Lord. Verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.